It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Friday, June 23rd. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. We'll sit down with the artist in residence at the Adirondack Center for Writing, the transmasculine poet Elliot Pokora. His work centers around the rural trans experience, religion, and navigating the world in a trans body. A lot of my poetry, I would say the majority of my poetry, comes from this core emotion of desire. So when we're talking about the forms that poems take and the forms that different bodies take, you know, what's the desire that I'm expressing in this form? In this form? Citizen Advocates Behavioral Health Urgent Care Center opened with a new name and location earlier this month. The facility offers 24-7 mental health and addiction services with no need for referrals or appointments. We want every person to feel as though they are in the express lane uh, when it comes to getting the help that they need. And our approach is built around meeting folks where they are on their road to recovery. And we'll get a preview of weekend events, including at the Adirondack Lake Center for the Arts and the Ottawa Jazz Festival. All that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by the Depot Theatre Westport, a professional equity theatre in the Adirondacks, celebrating its 45th season, depotheatre.org, and by ADK Action, working towards a sustainable future for people and nature in the greater Adirondack region. More at adkaction.org. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. A 12-year-old at Saranac Middle School has been charged with stabbing another student with a knife. According to the Plattsburgh Press-Republican, state police were called to the school around noon Wednesday after receiving a report of a student assaulting another student. Saranac School Superintendent Javier Perez told the paper the rest of the school sheltered in place during the attack. The 13-year-old victim was transported to UVM Medical Center in Burlington with a punctured lung. According to the paper, they're in stable condition and have not sustained any life-threatening injuries. The 12-year-old was arrested and charged with attempted assault and criminal possession of a weapon. They were released to their parents and have an appearance ticket for family court. Governor Kathy Hochul is trying to crack down on illegal cannabis shops, saying they're a barrier to creating a thriving and equitable cannabis industry. They are driven by individuals who are flagrantly violating the law. They are creating competition where there should be none. Illegal shops can face higher fines. If they operate after receiving a violation, the state can now pursue a court order and shut them down and padlock the store. We're building an equitable system like no other, something we all should be proud of. But let people know we have zero tolerance for the bad actors who are standing in our way of full success. A legal cannabis dispensary will have a QR verification tool posted by the entrance, allowing customers to confirm the location is state licensed. The New York state budget includes $5 million for an additional Office of Cannabis Management staff to enforce regulatory requirements and close down illicit stores. A third Vermont city will now allow non-citizens who are legal residents to vote in local elections. After the Democratic-controlled legislature this week overrode the Republican governor's veto 
veto of the Burlington Charter Change Bill. Burlington is Vermont's largest city. It now joins Montpelier and Winooski, which already permit such voting. City residents voted in favor of the charter change in March. The Republican National Committee filed lawsuits against Montpelier and Winooski, asking judges to declare non-citizen voting unconstitutional and lost those challenges. In January, the Vermont Supreme Court ruled that such voting in local elections in Montpelier doesn't violate the state constitution. A mental health and addiction crisis center in Malone has a new location and a new name. Citizen Advocates Behavioral Health Urgent Care Center is one of three such facilities the organization runs in the North Country. Champlain Valley reporter Kara Chapman has more. Citizen Advocates opened its Crisis and Recovery Center in Malone back in 2017. But COO Katie Jock says they found the term crisis didn't really resonate with people the way they thought it would. So they decided to rebrand that facility and others as behavioral health urgent care centers. We think that urgent care resonates with folks because of primary primary health um, and physical health. Um, And we also felt as though urgent care reduced stigma. Jock also says the phrase urgent care shows that mental health and addiction crises demand urgent responses. Citizen advocates opened urgent care centers in Ogdensburg and Watertown over the last year and a half. The ribbon cutting for the new Malone location took place earlier this month. Jock says it comes with additional space, including designated wings for adults and children. And honestly, that's in direct response to the emerging need for mental health and addiction services throughout the North Country that we've seen. Uh, which has been exasperated by the pandemic. Jock says the centers are open year-round. Patients can walk in without referrals or appointments and get immediate support. That might look like counseling, voluntary respite, or outpatient detoxification. We want every person to feel as though they are in the express lane uh, when it comes to getting the help that they need. And our approach is built around meeting folks where they are in their road to recovery. Jock says staff at the centers can also connect patients with ongoing care and treatment after their crisis has passed. Carol Chapman, North Country Public Radio. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's six minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, we'll get a preview of this weekend's show at the Adirondack Lake Center for the Arts. It uh, features the uh, cello-piano duo Schwartz and Bornaki tomorrow night at seven. We have a preview coming up in just a couple of minutes. Music by Mark Corey in Watertown. Mark is now part of the Underscore Project here at NCPR. You can check out more of his music anytime on our website, ncpr.org slash underscore.
Northern Light is supported by Adirondack Foundation, helping people and families build a legacy of generosity for the Adirondacks, adirondackfoundation.org, and by Cloud Splitter Foundation, applauding the Lake Placid Center for the Arts, a year-round performing and visual arts facility. More at lakeplacidarts.org. Throughout the month of June, the Adirondack Center for Writing has been celebrating pride and self-expression. Tomorrow, they're hosting an open mic night. And during the day, you can sign up for a free workshop with trans-masculine poet Elliot Pokora. Pokora grew up in rural western New York and is an undergraduate at SUNY Geneseo. And I caught up with him ahead of his workshop. And he told me that he plans to talk about how the physical body appears in the form of a poem. I, you know, I've been trying to read more and more trans poets because that's kind of where I feel the sense of a sense of community the strongest. And um, I think when we talk about form in a poem, I mean, there's a poet that I really like, Oliver Bendorf, and he said, when I write a poem, I think of it as a little body. And then it can be whatever a human body is. And then I name it with a title and then it goes and it does whatever a human body does. And I thought that was such a, an interesting way to think about it. So now, like, the more I, I write poems, the more I think about, you know, what does this, like, tiny human body want to, want to do? What is, it, what is it trying to get across? And with the diversity of bodies that we're seeing, I think there's so much space for, you know, anybody to write poems and anybody to be able to, you know, express what their body's feeling. You know, I had another professor a while ago who asked, like, what's, what's like a core emotion that you write, write about? What do you think is the core emotion in your poetry? And at the time when I was asked that, I was so stuck. I could not think of like what, I was like a singular like core emotion that I write from. But the more that I thought about it and the more that I wrote kind of over the years started kind of to become the thing of, to kind of take the form of a lot of my poetry. I would say the majority of my poetry comes from this core emotion of desire. So when we're talking about the forms that poems take and the forms that different bodies take, you know, what's the desire that I'm expressing in this form in this form and what's the desire that I'm expressing in this poem. And, you know, it, it becomes, it, I think it's interesting to think about, you know, I, I wrote in, in one of my poems, like, um, an out of this cobbled, like stitched together body experience. You know, I have this part here and I have this part here and it felt so stitched together and so cobbled together. So then I'm like, well then, you know, it helps me express myself if I then, and helps me accept myself if I then express that in my poetry is, you know, my poetry can be, you know, scrapped together and cobbled together because that's the exact same way that my body is kind of thinking about form in that way. Could you read that poem for us? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me bring it up. Um, it's the last poem in an organism is living if able to reproduce um, which was a really short collection that I did. Um, do you want to hear the whole thing, or should I just read the, the last stanza? Yes, could you read the whole thing for us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is poem number six, and it starts, Can I borrow your blood? I'll return it once my face is flushed, once I feel it rush through my head, right in my ears, once I'm dizzy and everything's swirling. Can I borrow your blood? It's cold over here in the land of the dead, and all I want is to feel how high out of my mind and out of this cobbled, stitched, scrapped, melted, tossed, thrown together body experience. I've decided that'll make me feel whole. 
So um, that was the the last one in, in a short collection that I did where I talked a lot about kind of using symbolism of the undead because a lot of times I think the first poem that I ever wrote about being specifically about being trans is I kind of made myself the character of a zombie and I talked from that perspective and then symbolism of the undead and symbolism uh, symbolism of zombies kind of started coming up like more and more in my poetry kind of as an, as an example of to express like the way that I felt during my transition so that was just the, the last one in that collection. That feels like a bit of a contrast to me from your poem, Oil Painting of a November Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I I was struck by the sort of freedom of kind of comparing the poet or yourself to a lion and like mm-hmm. in a, a lion with its like freedom and, and its self-possession. And could you read it for me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oil painting of a November night. Windshield wipers clack against the haze of drizzling rain. As he drives too close to the curb, it falls inexorably. My tarot, card, my tarot deck never gave me the strength card until I came out. Then, like clockwork, like mist birthing a storm, I drew it every morning. Superimposed on a bright yellow background, a wide-eyed lion, mane flowing, claws dug into the earth, fortitude it read. Firmness, confidence, assurance. And as a child, I'd wait for my family outside the doors to the bird exhibit, away from the screeching, yowling calls, the flamingo stench and sticky air. But today, my eyes catch on feathered wings, flapping through the drizzle, pumping its hollow bones higher. Not a glide, but a battle from gray pavement to gray clouds. His windshield wipers clack, and he speeds into corners, and under this gray light, his arms are ornate. For there's a muscle in his forearm which only awakens when he lifts his pinky, adjusting his grip on the wheel. Silver twists around his wrist, coats his tongue, slides down his esophagus, falling a viscous trickle and exorb. He knows I can't sing, but I'll write hymns for bloody knuckles, calloused hands, thin nails. For I'm a poet with chapped lips who can't stand a smooth canvas. And bright yellow fortitude was never my strong suit, but Moses would hike down the mountain to find me at his altar unabashed even in a storm. His blinker clicks in dissonance with the wipers, off-tempo polyrhythm. It is idolatry, I wonder, to worship the most holy shell you found. I think because I am a poet. I think the press of his dappled skin is inexorable in the quiet strength of shelter. I immediately started snapping for you off mic. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) I love that poem. Wow, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, that was something that I I spent a long time going over and over and over. And I think in the end, I combined like three different poems to make that one. So I'm really, really glad that you liked it. Mm-hmm. A really interesting thing, a lot of my poems are like half true and half, you know, me just making things up. Because again, I did start as a fiction writer and I kind of do feel that impulse sometimes. of Oh, this will be interesting if I say this, this will be interesting if I say that. But um, that piece of that poem is, is absolutely 100% true. Like, um... After after I came out, I did a lot of different tarot readings for myself, and pretty much every single day, I just kept drawing the strength card over and over and over again. And a part of me felt reassured, and a part of me felt a little bit mocked because it, it was kind of this idea of, you know, like I say in the poem, fortitude. It read firmness, confidence, assurance. It was all these things that I was trying to have, but like you know, in the 
aftermath of my coming out and the aftermath of me, you know, figuring everything out. And I mean, you don't just come out once you come out over and over and over again. So it, it was, it was reassuring because it was saying, you know, I think you were capable of having the strength, but at the time that I was reading it, I completely did not feel that I did, you know, I had a very um, kind of twisted perception of myself. So that was kind of something that I saw more as this is what I could be. And this is what I'm working towards. And I mean, even today I'm still, you know, that idea of that bright yellow line. And I'm like, eh, maybe, <laughs> but it's like that, you know, I'm always, I'm always working towards. And I think the more that I write and the more that, you know, I go to different, you know, open mics, for example, you know, part of the program that we're doing is an open mic on Saturday at 7 p.m. So kind of the more that I do and the more that I talk to different people and different poets, I kind of feel closer to that, like actual strength and actual bravery. That was Elliot Pecora talking with myself ahead of his workshop at the Adirondack Center for Writing tomorrow. They're celebrating Pride all month. Find out more at Adirondack Center for Writing. Listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a minute, we'll get a preview of the show coming up tomorrow night at the Adirondack Lake Center for the Arts. Then stick around after Northern Light for Bird Note coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. We've got rain in the forecast today, probably through much of the weekend as well, and even into early next week, a high this afternoon around 80. With uh, light winds out of the south, lows near 60 tonight, and then tomorrow and Sunday and Monday, about a 60-70% chance of uh, scattered showers, maybe a thunderstorm. Highs in the 70s tomorrow, high near 80 on Sunday and Monday. Right now, fair skies and 71 degrees here in Canton. Here's John Warren with a check of outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks for the weekend. Some unsettled weather is in the forecast for this weekend that is expected to bring showers and thunderstorms. There could be areas of locally heavy rain as slow-moving thunderstorms move through, which could cause some local flooding and high and dangerous waters in mountain streams. Keep a close eye on the weather and plan alternative routes in the event that storms make stream crossings impassable and be sure to never be on open water or above tree line during thunderstorms. High peak summit temperatures are forecast to be around 60 degrees and expect higher humidity everywhere. Waters around the region are near normal levels for this time of year, some a bit higher than normal. The U.S. Drought Monitor is still reporting the entire region as abnormally dry, but that could change as the longer-term forecast is calling for significant rain over the next week or so. The Hudson River gauge at North Creek is forecast to rise to a bit over three feet by Sunday. And at Piercefield, the Racket River is forecast to rise a bit over four and a half feet. Over on Lake Champlain, the gauge a little north of Whitehall is expected to reach 96 feet. Those values could all change, however, depending on how much heavy rain local areas get. Water temperatures are mostly around 70 degrees around the region. That's the water temperature of Upper Saranac Lake and Mirror Lake. Lake Champlain and Lake George, which take a bit longer to warm up due to their size, 
are both in the mid to upper 60s. Hiker shuttles are not yet running at Route 73, and High Peaks parking areas have been filling early. Summer solstice, the longest day of the year, was Thursday. The sun is now rising a bit past 5 a.m. and setting a bit before quarter to nine. Always keep the sunrise and sunset time in mind and be prepared to turn back if necessary, especially in the event of bad weather. Those are the outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks this weekend. For North Country Public Radio, this is John Warren from the New York Almanac. Online at newyorkalmanac.com. It's 820. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. Music, workshops, and summer art exhibits return to the Adirondack Lakes Center for the Arts in Blue Mountain Lake starting this weekend. The Arts Center will reopen with a performance by the renowned cello-piano duo Schwartz and Bernacki tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. The Adirondack Lake Center for the Arts has dubbed this season's schedule of events as Back in Blue Part 3. George Cordes, Artistic Director of the ALCA, says collaborations with other art centers and communities are a big part of the summer season. Yes, very much so, very much. We've been doing more and more with uh, Great Camp Sagamore, which is just down the road from us. We are you know, always working on uh, possible collaborations with them, partnerships. Also, we've been doing, with, with our Adirondack Lakes Theater Festival, we've We've been doing the, the collaboration and, and partnership for quite a while, actually, because we, we tour uh, several productions. Uh, we, we bring, for example, coming up, we've got our first production called Southern Comforts by mm-hmm. Kathleen Clark, mm-hmm. directed by Beth Glover of the Adirondack Stage Rats, starring Jordan Hornstein, who is, who's been a longtime uh, you know, performer and director with the, uh, with the theater festival. But we tour that, we'll be touring that to Tannery Pond in North Creek, to View Arts Center in Old Forge, um, up here to Tupper Lake High School, where I live. Uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, bringing a performance there. We Later in, in August, August 4th through 9th, we, uh, we're doing our production uh, musical, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Uh, we'll be bringing it to those uh, venues along with uh, Indian Lake Theater, which we... Uh, which we partner a lot with. Uh, we, we bring performances there as well. For our Shakespeare, uh, which is outdoors and free, as it has been for years, uh, in July and August, that uh, production this year is The Tempest. And um, and we tour that all over the place, so bringing it out to Inlet and, and to Newcomb, Long Lake, uh, Tupper Lake, uh, Speculator. We just added Speculator as as one of our venues last year. So we are constantly looking for uh, new folks to partner with and collaborate with. It's very gratifying, and it's it's really kind of the nature of what we do. Is it's not just our programming at the Art Center because we are also the coordinator of the SCR, the uh, uh, statewide uh, regrant program through NISCA. Uh, for the quad counties of, of Hamilton, Franklin, Clinton, and Essex County. So we are constantly connecting and um, you know, giving opportunities to uh, artists and, and uh, you know, art, artistic people, creatives, if you will, or, around our area throughout the, the Adirondacks. So it's, it's uh, definitely 
part of fulfilling our mission in that regard. Well, uh, full disclosure, I have to I have to be honest, George. When I saw that you're doing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, it brought a smile to my <laughs> face because many, many, many years ago, my high school did that, and I okay. I was cast as Charlie Brown. So um, ah, all there, right. there you go. Okay. It's a great, let me just okay. say, it's a great show. It's a great show, great music. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I can't tell you how many folks have said, "Oh, yeah, I, I did Schroeder, or I did Linus, and you know, and, and did the the blanket song." Yeah, right. It, it it is such a such a great show. I mean, all the shows that we're doing this uh, this year, I'm I'm really, you know, happy we're able to do them because um, that show especially has a, a, a it, it has connections for so many people. It has such relevance still. You know, there's so much in that show. You know, like the Peanuts comics, you know, they just kind of Times. always have have spoken the truth and but in a in a fun and you know entertaining way and that's definitely we've we've got a great uh, great cast lined up for this show and uh, a lot of fun dancing and singing and uh, yeah that's yeah. going to be a great show. Um, I'm also very gratified to to have uh, Jordan Hornstein again yeah. involved with us and Beth Glover as well doing Southern Comforts. Uh, that is just such a, such a sweet kind of comic romance, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. of, of two, two folks who have, uh, you know, finding, finding love again. Uh, you know, that's going to be July 7th through the 11th, uh, touring around. And so it's, it's always so great to work with Jordan and Beth and, and Natalie Luxford will be our other actor in that. So that's, I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. You know, I just wanted to remind folks that uh, this this Saturday is our first classical concert. Uh, the cello and piano duo Schwartz and Bernacki, well-known group. And uh, and then coming up on Saturday, July 15th, is the Euclid Quartet, a really wonderful string quartet. And then we've got an indie band, Ursa in the Major Key, on the 21st, and then Oregon Fairchild from Buffalo, way on august 11th and so we've got a whole bunch of great stuff coming up this year and i just also want to remind folks to go to our website adirondackarts.org and they can find out everything they need to know there and and purchase tickets and and register for workshops george cordes is artistic director of the adirondack lake center for the arts in blue mountain lake and as he says you can check their website adirondackarts.org for a complete list of summer events including a kids camp this is Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's 826. I'm Monica Sandreski here with Todd Moe. And summer is festival season in the North Country. For almost 40 years, the Ottawa Jazz Festival has drawn world-class musicians to Canada's capital for intimate indoor shows and big outdoor concerts. It kicks off tonight and is running now through June 30th. And I caught up with the festival's creative director, Peter Kankura, for a preview. It's a really beautiful environment and atmosphere to see music. It's really carefully curated. Music, when it's outside, it doesn't overlap. So there's never, you know, you can put your full attention on the music that's right in front of you. You know, jazz is such a broad term, and I think every genre at this point is such such a broad term. There's just no, there are no clear lines to what jazz is. Bahome. 
Arouge is a, a Pakistani singer who now lives in New York City, um, and she just won a Grammy. Um, and she has a trio that she's bringing. She sings really from the Pakistani tradition. And then she has these two really creative musicians. One's BJ Iyer, a uh, pianist, and Shazad Ismaili. And Shazad is a, a bass player, but he also was the producer on Feist's new album. And she's, she's actually starting the whole festival on the main stage. This is our 10.30 spot outside, which caps off every night. Um, there's a lot of kind of party stuff, not always. Like, for example, we do have the legendary Sunra Orchestra, but we also have uh, Sima Funk and Pedrito Martinez, who are more Cuban Latin music. We have a Korean group for, called ADG7. We have an R&B group from the U.S. called the Alpons. On the other end of the spectrum, we use the National Arts Center Sports Stage, which is set up like a jazz club. It, there's 150 seats, and, and it's a really beautiful place to intimately see music. So a lot of that is more jazz and experimental music. For example, the first night, there's a... A uh, young woman by the name of Zoamba, who's kind of come out of nowhere, out of Tennessee. Now she lives in Brooklyn and is playing with uh, uh, with everyone under the sun in, in the avant-garde jazz. Even though there might be things you've never heard of, uh, I encourage folks to go see some of those shows that you might not have heard of because there's a lot of gems from all over the world that we uh, scatter across the programming. That's kind of the, the core of it. There's 